Well, Dan, if only I lived in a better location. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, welcome in and happy holidays. Hope you're getting ready for a wonderful Christmas at your house. I know we are here. You know, we recently got a Casper mattress. I talked about that. Had this great big box that the mattress came in. We took the mattress out, put it on our bed, and we filled that. Joanne filled it from top to bottom with gifts for our oldest son, Kevin, out in Colorado. And I sent the Casper mattress box back out again. Going to Colorado full of Christmas gifts. Well, what a fun time. Our sponsor today is Harry's. We'll be telling you about a special offer from them here in a minute. Here's some of the things we're going to be looking at today. Dan, I'm starting over at age 48. You know, that actually sounds like a pretty good number to start over. 48. We'll talk about that. I have an associate's degree in computer science, but sadly live in an area that is severely lacking in software development jobs. How about this one? Dan, I've been preaching full-time for almost 10 years, and I'm lost. Should I leave a good-paying job at $80,000 for a jump to $90,000? We'll take an interesting look at that. You might be surprised at my response to that. And then somebody wants to know, will you connect me with the wild bird-feeding lady from last week? Yeah, happy to. And we got some stories of gratitude. Well, Here's our quotation for the week. This comes from Dennis Waitley, who says, Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn, or consumed. Happiness is the spiritual experience of living every minute with love, grace, and gratitude. Well, I believe that. We'll be talking about that some more. How do you find happiness? Well, let me tell you about our friends at Harry's. You know that I start my day off every day with my Harry's razor. I happen to have one that has the, the orange handle. I'm not a big football fan, but it sure reminds me of the Tennessee Volunteers when I pull that out. So I guess I'm being um, loyal to my state when I do that. Anyway, right now is a great time. If you still got some guys on your Christmas list, Boy, I got a great gift suggestion to you. I've got a picture up here on my screen, but it's called the Winter Winston Set. Now, it's 30 bucks, but as you know, you can get $5 off by using our code. But it's got the blade, the handle, extra blades, the shaving balm in there, and a beautiful, beautiful box, a little string that wraps around and attaches it. Anyway, it's the Winter Winston Set. Check it out. Ground shipping ends on December 16th. So jump on board. Don't delay. Go to harrys.com. Get a limited edition holiday shave set. That's what I'm talking about. While supplies last. And then don't forget to enter the code 48 days at checkout for your $5 off. That's harrys.com. And the code is 48 days. I got a note from, from uh, Matt Breckwald. Matt attended Coaching with Excellence a year or so ago, I guess last year. Yeah. And uh, there've been a whole lot of interesting things that have unfolded since then. I wanted to share it as just an amazing success story. 
So he says, Dan and Ashley, just want to drop you a line with an update and a fun story about kids as entrepreneurs. I'll start with Hattie. Now, Hattie's 10 years old. And he says, who lived on your zip line when we were there for coaching with excellence last year. Now that I'm an entrepreneur, I'm always looking for ways to demonstrate this way of life to Hattie, much like you do with Ashley's kids and your other grandkids. We were down in Texas for Thanksgiving and there was mistletoe growing in the mesquite trees everywhere. Mistletoe does not grow in Idaho where we live. And I remembered picking this and selling it as a Christmas decoration when I was a kid in Valley Home, California. So Hattie Autumn and I picked a bushel or so, loaded up the pickup and trucked it back to Idaho. Hattie and a friend then put decorative ribbons on individual bunches. We got permission to sell it outside of a grocery store in our hometown. And we put an ad up on a local Facebook group. Last night, Hattie had a flurry of business selling her whole supply, receiving multiple tips from customers and even a free hot chocolate from a passerby. She was blown away after she paid us back for her supplies, ribbon, and counted up her profits. She made more in two hours than a lot of the employees in the grocery store made in an eight-hour day. We're still getting contacted by people on Facebook who want to drive out to our farm and purchase it for. Thanks for the inspiration. What a great story. Golly, I love that. I love the idea of just seeing something in its natural form like that and then recognizing there's an opportunity to make money with that exact thing. I mean, people often overlook those kind of opportunities. Just recently, Joanne and I were driving around on a Sunday afternoon and I kept pointing out all the mistletoe and the trees and I kept saying it's everywhere and people pay for that. Well, congrats, Matt, for helping Hattie see the opportunity and acting on that. And another, another addition from Matt, who regarded, he says, regarding my own business, you might remember that just before I came out for Coaching with Excellence, I was contacted by RFD TV requesting to use my podcast on their radio show, FFA Today. Well, after about eight months of providing content to the radio show for free, it progressed into a paid contract. I'm now being paid as a correspondent to do interviews for that show. Looking for my own unique way to coach, this inspired a business idea. About a month ago, I launched a new service through my podcast, Off Farm Income. I started a custom podcasting service within my niche. I got my first client right away and we're finalizing details now. In addition to creating a custom podcast for this client, they've asked me to host a radio show for them. This will all begin in early 2017. This journey has been incredible, starting with listening to you in 2009. I've now left my full-time career as a police officer, purchased a farm, started a gopher extermination business, become an agricultural broadcaster, written and sold a workbook in my niche, and soon will be hosting a radio show all about agriculture. Unbelievable. And I'm selling my gopher extermination business as part of this transition and realizing the value that has been created out of thin air that this company now will sell for. In 2009, when I first started listening to you, I would have never dreamed that any of this would happen. Now I work in agriculture full time, farm and never have to leave the farm if I don't want to. It's truly amazing that this life is possible, but very few people know or believe it exists Thankfully, you have shared your message and encouragement, and now I can be another voice to tell people that this is possible. Golly, what an awesome story. I remember talking about Matt's gopher extermination business 
you know, a couple of years ago when he was doing that. Matt's another example, like many of you, where we've tracked your success over a period of years. But that's an amazing story, Matt. Thanks for sharing both about Hattie and about uh, what you're doing personally in this path that you're on. Thanks for sharing that. Well, hey, we love hearing those stories. If you got a story about success that you want to share with us, have me pass on to the audience. I'd be delighted to do so. Just go to 48days.com. Click on the podcast link. You'll see an opportunity there to share your story. Or as you know, most of you just send an email to me at dan at 48days.com. So you can do that as well. And just send an email to askdan at 48days.com. All right. Hey, I want to mention as well, my friends at, at Pax Financial. Now they're based out in San Antonio and, um, you know, the stock market is pretty difficult to deal with. It's something I've never really understood, never really been interested in, frankly, because it just is too far removed for me to understand. That's why I work with my friends at Pax Financial. You know, they want your money to grow, but they'll only take risk to the degree that you're comfortable you can be conservative or aggressive, and you can use anything you want to as your vehicle for growing your wealth. It doesn't have to be stocks and mutual funds, annuities, some of those common kind of things. It can be anything that you want. Um, I'm delighted in the work that I'm doing with them, and I think you as well would really enjoy working with Pax Financial. They really do have the heart of a teacher. They don't have that Wall Street kind of feel. You can contact Pax Financial at 210 Five seven zero zero, or it's probably easier just to visit their website, Pax. That's just P A X, PaxFinancialGroup.com, and put a slash forty eight days at the end of that, and they're going to send you. I worked with uh, Daryl Lyons on getting this put together, but he's got a little ebook: ten effective strategies for building a money legacy within your children and grandchildren. It's really well done. I love it. Use the principles out of there. So just go to paxfinancialgroup.com slash 48 days. Now here's a question from Jason. It says, I've been thoroughly enjoying your show and guest and I find myself for the first time in a long, long time being excited about my future. I have an associate's degree in computer science, but sadly live in an area that is severely lacking in software development jobs. It lives in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. As such, I've never actually worked as a software developer or done anything at all outside of the classroom. My wife and I have done a great deal of research and concluded that we can both do a lot better in our careers if we move. We've elected to move near the D.C., Washington, D.C. metro area. My wife is a teacher and we won't be moving with our three children until after the school year is over. My question to you, since I'm trying to break into a new industry in a new town with, and have zero experience or connections in either... What are the best things I can do remotely in the next six months to strengthen my position for landing a job as a software developer? Come hell or high water, we're going to leave the safety net, move forth 100 miles away and make it go at it. And we couldn't be more excited or terrified. Thanks for your time. Well, Jason, hey, I understand well the being both excited and terrified. That's a great feeling, you know? I mean, I wake up every morning with that. I don't want to ever lose the being terrified because that that's exciting doing things that you've never done before going into unknown areas. I mean, that's the only way we can improve our lives is to do things we've not done before. 
Otherwise, things just stay the same. So, hey, welcome that exhilaration and terror at the same time. Now, in light of what you want to do, you've got an associate's degree in computer science, but you live in an area that lacks software development jobs. My experience is that geography is a very small factor in the success that most of us experience. Now, I don't want to say this lightly, and I commend you if you guys want to move to D.C., that's fine. But I would encourage you, move there because you're excited about living your life in the D.C. metro area. Don't go there for jobs. Go there because you think it's going to improve the life that you and your kids are going to be able to live. I really want to underscore that, that particular premise. You go there just looking for better jobs. I'm not real optimistic about the success that you're going to experience. If you go there because you're excited about living there, you, know, you want to teach our, your little girls about the history of our country, you know it'll be, they'll have a lot of opportunities there for their own education. Hey, that's fine. Go there and then fill in the jobs that you need. But when you talk about being a software developer, I can't imagine any area in the world where there are not opportunities for that very thing especially considering that a lot of software developers work remotely. They aren't even going into an office these days. It's really not necessary. So with that being said, again, what can you do? Continue to be optimistic, continue to refine your skills as a software developer and begin right now to make those contacts, make contacts, get involved in local groups that you see that are active there for software developers. Start coming in on blogs from people who live there. Look at companies that are there. Start interacting with those companies. I mean, all those things are things that you certainly can do. Now, I want to conclude the response to your question by taking us back. You have heard me talk about Joshua Kemp over. This is one Joshua has been over a period of a, a couple years where he was the blacksmith who learned how to do software development after just getting online, taught himself, never went to college, never had a paid course, and then ended up going to IBM and got his, his first job. He's gone up since then, but his first job, right after teaching himself, after seven months of just spending time teaching himself, got a job at IBM making $70,000. Now, what I want to point you to, though, is I went back and found his last note to me was back in October of this year, October, 2016. And he had created a course to teach other people how to do what he did. And the course is, and I'm going to give you the URL right now because it is the fastest way to land a tech job dot teachable dot com. That's a course that Joshua put together because he had so many requests for people saying, how did you teach yourself software development and how do you get a job, a $70,000 a year job with no college degree, no credentials at all? And he started with, yes, a very well-known company, IBM. So again, his course, and I'm just going to recommend that. I mean, this is not an affiliate link or anything. I just want you to go check it out. The fastest way to land a tech job dot teachable Dot com. Now, if you can't find that, I'm sure you can search Joshua Kemp and, um, and find that. Or if you really are having trouble, just shoot me an email and I'll send you right directly to the link. Anyway, fun stuff out there. Lots of opportunities. Absolutely. Indeed. Well, 
hey, these are real questions, real life situations that we're all encountering. Got a bunch of others here that I'm eager to get to. But again, just a reminder, you got a question you want me to include in an upcoming show, just go to 48days.com, click on the podcast link, or just send an email directly to me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, here's a message from Jason. Well, you know what? I've got this loaded in here. Jason left me an audio. Let me have you listen to a little bit of his audio, and then we'll talk about it. Hey, Dan. I'll keep this short. My name's Jason Taylor. I'm 48 years old. I had a business. I was self-employed for about 20 years. Had a moral conflict with the business, so I sold it about four or five years ago and started driving truck. Driving truck's not what I want to do. I'm used to being self-employed, but I don't know where I where to go from here. I'm starting from scratch at 48. Um, I'd like to start some kind of an online business, uh, maybe some kind of affiliate marketing, but I don't know who to go to to learn this business. I don't know who I can trust. I thought maybe you could help me. All right. Hey, thanks for your question, Jason. Yeah. How, how exciting to know that you want to redirect and you're 48 years old driving truck. No, you don't want to do that. Now, here's the deal. You're not starting from scratch. It's impossible. You have a wealth of wisdom and knowledge from 48 years of living, discovering some things that work, some things that don't, you've obviously described. I mean, that is an education that you can't buy. You can't read a book on that. Living 48 years gives you a ton of value in what you're able to do now. So you're not starting over. You're in a much different place than an 18-year-old. You've got all those years of experience and wisdom and knowledge that you've accumulated that puts you in the driver's seat for what you want to do. Now, I tell people all the time, especially guys, you know, hey, do whatever you want to for the first 45, 50 years of your life. I mean, there's not much that I would consider a mistake. I mean, learn, experiment, uh, give yourself the privilege of doing lots of things. If you can, at that point, sit down, take a fresh look at how God has uniquely gifted you, look at the preparation and experiences you've had, clarify what you now know about yourself in three areas, your skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions. Then you can see patterns emerge and you can explore what kind of work would bring all those things together. Then you can prepare a resume to position yourself for that. If getting a job would be a fit or choose the business that would allow you a perfect fit for those things you now know about yourself. You can create a plan, take massive action and have you up and running in 48 days. I don't know what that would look like for you, Jason. I don't know what your previous business was. I don't really know what your skills and abilities are, your competencies, but this, I do know, I know that someone who has had their own business finds it really hard to go back to being an employee. Now, can it happen? Absolutely. Now, there have been two people in the last month where I've recommended that. They've done that with great success, and I think it was the best choice for them. But that's uncommon. Your best option is very likely to be another business idea that you own and develop. So spend the next 30 days. Spend the rest of this month. Just spend the rest of December identifying ideas for things that you could do. Make a list of 30. You know, not just one or two. Make a list of 30. But then filter those ideas based on what you know about yourself, your unique skills and abilities, your personality traits, your values, dreams, and passions. 
so that you narrow that list down very quickly to four or five. Then do a little bit more research on what that would look like, knowing what you know about yourself. Then create a plan of action and act. Man, I'm, I'm confident. You know, when I, was, when I was 48 years old, golly, I was still, I had, I had massive IRS liens over my head, holding me down from doing anything. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that I wanted to repay. I was not in a great place when I was 48 years old. I wish I had had a clean slate. I wish I had just been able to to not have those things hold over my head when I was 48, but I did. It was a couple years after that when I kind of got back to zero and then started to build what I have today. So I'm a big optimist that it's never too late to have a new beginning. Trust me. Well, he says, I'm lost. Capital L-O-S-T. They are. I've been preaching full-time for almost 10 years. I've had a growing sense that it is not my passion, at least not in the way I've been doing it. Actually, I feel I may even be more productive living for Christ through the business world. There's a cool idea. Unfortunately, I do not know what I want to do. I read 48 days and regularly listen to the podcast, but still can't seem to find clarity about my career path. I'm unsure what my passion is. I like having a project put before me to plan and execute. I enjoy collaborating with others. I enjoy public speaking and writing. I'm finishing my BS with a major in religion, a minor in business. I'm 31 years old, married with three daughters, worried about being able to provide for them in any transition. Any advice you have on finding my passion, transitioning wisely would be appreciated. Well, Heath, golly exciting opportunity 31 years old three daughters no you don't want to continue doing what you're doing here's what you've got to do and this is challenging for people who have been preaching people who are ministers pastors whatever you call it what you need to do is clarify your vocation career and job that's the starting point now i dissect this go back to the part in 48 days where i really break this down Vocation is the big picture. You know, that's your purpose, mission, destiny. That's what you want to be remembered for, legacy. So that's going to be something big. So that that would be, you can help reduce pain and suffering in the world. That would be an example of a vocation. Now, as a career, being a subset of that, then what could you do as a career that would, in fact, help reduce pain and suffering in the world? Well, you could be a physician. You could be a nurse. You could be a psychiatrist. You could be a sports therapist, a massage therapist. You could be a politician, a missionary, a pastor. You could be any of them. I mean, all of those things would, in fact, be examples of careers that could, in fact, help reduce pain and suffering in the world. So vocation is the big picture. Career is a subset. Job, then, is the smallest component. Job is what you do daily. So in your case, you've chosen to be a preacher. For 10 years. That's your job. But when I frame it as I have, vocation being the big picture, career a subset, job the smallest one, if you choose not to be a preacher anymore, it should not change your vocation or even your career. You can move back into those very comfortably if you identify what was it that originally drew you to preaching. 
I mean, was it the opportunity to encourage people to call them to a more purposeful life? I mean, if so, my goodness, you can never be behind a pulpit on a Sunday morning again, and you can write, speak, create eBooks, audio programs, courses, do group workshops, seminars, and ex- dramatically increase your impact in encouraging people, calling them to more purposeful life. I mean, I'm pretty familiar with that space. I mean, that's exactly what I do. I mean, could I take my message and be pastor of a little church? Well, sure. I don't have any desire to do that. Trust me, don't call me. I know there's a lot of opportunities out there. No, I have no desire to do that because it fits me better to write, speak, create products, courses, do workshops, seminars, live events here, the kind of things that I've chosen to do. But I've worked with a lot of pastors over the years who have moved away from what people on the outside see as having been their primary job. There are two professional groups that I've worked with more than any. Number one, people in a profession who hate their jobs are dentists. Nobody comes close to dentists. They have the dubious distinction of being the, having the highest suicide rate in any professional group. Uh, sad but true. But behind dentists that I've worked with personally have been pastors. Pastors who say, Dan, this is not what I signed up for. Get me out of this. Now, let me tell you some of the things that I've helped pastors transition into. And, and I could go on and on and on with those that I'm the people that I know of. But there's a pastor couple that I met a couple years ago who are in his retirement, really. Now he retired, but he was so eager to get out of what he was doing. And now they're selling shoes online. Yes, shoes. No, they don't go to garage sales and find you. They buy shoes, liquidation. They sell them online. They love the community, the online selling community that they're part of. They're part of Jim Cockrum's group or online selling on Amazon and eBay and, and making as an aside, making about five times as much money as he ever made in his highest paying position as a pastor. So there's that. Now the pastor here in my office, I have this beautiful, beautiful painting that was done by a young man. You've heard me talk about him. I write about him in 48 days to the work you love. His name is Ron, where he was a pastor, thought he was doing something godly. No, he was an imposter. He was trying to do something that wasn't a good fit for him. Now he's an artist where he really brought together how God has gifted him. He brought together those skills and abilities, personal tendencies, the things I talk about. And now he is a very, very successful artist. Had a pastor who I worked with one time who after 19 years of being a pastor had been let go. Not a major failure of any kind, but it was not a clearly, uh, he was being approaching burnout. And so he was let go from his position, came to me, totally discouraged, feeling like a failure. And we identified, what are the things that you really do well? Well, we identified that being in the pulpit on Sunday morning was something that he really enjoyed, that encouraging, and exhorting, calling people to a higher level of success. He loved that. Well, that comprises about 5% of what a pastor does. And the rest of the time, you know, he was having to officiate at weddings and funerals and go visit people in the hospital, blah, 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 all those kind of things he was doing. He didn't enjoy all those. He enjoyed just being in the pulpit. We positioned him. I said, because of what it is that you do well, you would be great at being a company rep for products that you really believed in. I mean, where you're sharing enthusiasm about those. 
He is now a very successful rep for Thomas Nelson Publishers, where he meets with groups of pastors and shows them the new products that are coming out that can help them in what they're doing to serve others well. Great example. Um, a pastor who came to me who is now doing urban gardening, showing others how to do that. Grows chickens and pigs, you know, providing healthy local produce and meat for his community, you know, having a time of his life. Pastor who, who left his position as of a very successful church. He just felt like he had told them all he had to say that it was time for new leadership. He moved out and took a position as president of a Christian university. Um, the, there's been several that I've worked with who are now involved with major nonprofits like hope international, uh, other nonprofits that are doing things where they got involved in the mission. But what we have to look at is that leaving being a preacher doesn't mean that you're walking away from ministry. You need to just find something that engages your heart for ministry, but allows you a new application daily and how you're going to do that. I've got a couple quotations for you. One comes from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Who said, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. I love that. There's so many people who are, who are begging, they're pining away for God to call them to something where they could be of service. And they're overlooking the opportunity in what they're doing right now to do their job well and to provide ministry in that way. Now, here's a quotation. Now, don't get this confused. This is from Martin Luther, not, not Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King, who I just quoted, but this is from Martin Luther who said, therefore, I advise no one to enter any religious order or the priesthood. Indeed, I advise everyone against it, unless he is forearmed with this knowledge and understands that the works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic labor in the field or the woman going about her household task, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. That's a pretty encouraging statement. Pretty encouraging statement. Now, in the transition that you talk about to provide for your family well, you might need to find a regular job. And that could be working at Home Depot. But I suspect that the 10 years you've been preaching has prepared you for a very meaningful and fulfilling next chapter in your life. One book I want to recommend. Now, there's a whole bunch of them that I could recommend, but I'm going to give you one. It's not well known. It's a little paperback and it's titled Serving Christ in the Workplace. Secular Work is Full-Time Service by Larry Peabody. You can find it easily on Amazon. Serving Christ in the Workplace. Secular Work is Full-Time Service. I've gone back to that again and again and again in my work with pastors as they're going through this exciting challenge to do something different than what it's looked like. Hey, congratulations to you for recognizing that it's time for a move. And I'm totally confident that you can move through this into the very exciting next season of your life. Okay. A couple more here. Now this comes from Robert. Um, actually I've changed the name, but you'll recognize your question because, uh, you'd asked me to do so. Robert says I'm making $80,000 as a full-time employee at my current company 
and just had a very positive performance review, scoring 85, 85 out of 100. But even with that, my raise is going to be from 2 to 3%, I'm told. To top it off, I have to wait until April 1st if I want to get my $3,000 bonus. I have many other companies reaching out to me, offering me at least 90000 So going from 80000 to ninety, I will have been at this job 16 months as of April 1st. I also have companies offering me $55 an hour to work as a contractor. My question is, should I leave? I feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot if I stay. My only concern is getting labeled as a job hopper. Going from 80000 which is $40 an hour to $55 an hour, would result in me getting around $2,000 more per month. I don't use any of the current health insurance at this company, 401k or benefits. The only thing I would be losing would be paid time off, which is about 26 days a year. What would you do, Dan? I've never, you've never steered me wrong in the past. My wife and I are not sure and are pretty much leaving it in your hands. Ouch. Geez, don't put that on me. I, I can certainly give you my opinion. And I, I love your question. Here's the deal. Okay. So you're making $80,000 got some benefits and so on. You're going to get maybe a 3% raise, which is going to be $2,400. And then if you wait till April, you're going to get a $3,000 bonus. All right. Now here's, here's part of it with that, with the, with a 3% increase in a $3,000 bonus, you're already made up over half of that $10,000 increase. I mean, that's $5,400. So now we're down, we're talking about making a change for $4,400, even if everything else is even. I would not change jobs for $10,000. There's too many unknowns. Just the process of changing jobs is stressful. It'll require a new learning process. And, you know, understanding the details of the job, the new people, the new company culture. But, you know me, I'm going to come in there with a caveat. I would not change just for the $10,000 increase. And now, incidentally, in, in your industry, you're not going to be labeled a job hopper just as a result of leaving after 16 months. You're, you're kind of on the average if you change at that point. But there's a whole lot of other factors when you're talking about changing a job. The people that you work with now and then, the specifics of your work duties now, the location, the commute time or flexibility that may allow you to work from home either with a current company that you could propose or with a new company, the opportunities for promotion advancement or um, what else, or, or having a comp- corporate culture that fosters entrepreneurship, you know, the allowing you to explore new ideas within their company framework. And that's becoming more and more popular and opens up new areas of opportunity. Had a, a coaching mastery a gentleman that worked with us last year and has, he was leaving a position being paid very well. He was in the $175,000 range, but he was going to leave because he wanted to start his own coaching and seminar business. As we were working through this, I suggested that he explore because the company that he was currently with was essentially a, a consulting company. They would go into a lot of different companies and present products and services to help those companies in very specific areas. I said, why don't you present exactly what you want to do with the company that you work with? Well, he was a little hesitant to do that, but he did that. They immediately jumped all over it. 
and they said that he had he had as a budget to raise in new revenue like 1.2 million but if he could do that you know they would give him a bonus for doing that well not only did he hit his 1.2 target he went over 10.2 million in new revenue and it increased his compensation from 175,000 to over 375,000 that was with the company that he had currently been employed at that he was going to leave but he explored that opportunity and found them to be receptive, supportive, and it allowed him to do just what he wanted to do instead of having to create the entire infrastructure of a new business on his own. Perfect blend. He's still there and loving it. Now, another factor would be the prestige of working with your current company as compared to a smaller unknown company. But here's the kind of questions that you need to ask yourself, Robert. Instead of just looking at, should you change for another $10? Start with the end in mind, old Stephen Covey principle from seven habits of highly effective people. Where do you want to be three years from now? What do you want your life to look like then? Will you want something similar to this job to be in place? Or are you planning on something radically different? I mean, if you're planning on something radically different, uh, maybe this job is a reasonable vehicle to lead you into that transition. So there's a whole bunch of things. What an exciting position to be in where you're being paid very well now. You've got other companies recruiting you, tapping you on the shoulder, wanting you to come with them. What a great position to be in the driver's seat where you could decide not just how to negotiate for an increase. And yeah, that's a significant increase going from 80 to 90. But again, it's not just about that $10,000 at all. There's a whole lot of other things in terms of the life you want that will help you make that decision. Okay. Last week. All right. Last week I had a question from Lisa who said, I want to start a wild bird feeding service. You may remember that if you listened last week, she talked about, she wanted to market to assisted living, nursing homes, rehabs, hospitals, corporations, you know, where she would put up the bird houses and then show them how to plant plants that would attract the birds, maintain those, go back and, you know, put in waterers, feeders and all. I thought it was an absolutely stellar idea. Loved the idea. Well, here, like happens so often. I got a note from John who says, I just listened to the question from Lisa with regard to starting a wild bird feeding service. I was wondering if there was a way I can connect Lisa, contact Lisa and ask her for more information about our wild bird feeding service. I recently sold a business in Michigan and moved my family from Michigan to Colorado. I'm starting a business called wild birds of joy where the main focus is selling bird feeders through Amazon FBA program. I've gotten a ton of information from one of your recent guests, Jim Cockrum. Thank you. I don't, don't know if Lisa and I can help each other or not, but I thought at least talking to her would bring about a lot of good information for both of us. I don't know if you allow this information to be shared, but I thought I would contact 48 days to see if you were willing to pass my information along to Lisa to see if she would be, if she would be interested. Thank you for your time. And I appreciate all that 48 days does for so many people. Well, John, I, I read that because I wanted to let people know if it's not clear, I connect a whole lot of people. Now, I've already connected you with Lisa and happy to do so. I love being able to do that, connect people. So I do a lot of that where somebody says, hey, I have a resource for that person that you read a question from last week or two weeks ago. I do a whole lot of that. 
This week, I got another contact from somebody. Last week, I talked about somebody who said, ultimately, they'd really like to work for an organization like Dave Ramsey's organization or Samaritan's Purse. And I got a note from somebody that says, hey, I'm on the board with Samaritan's Purse. Give me that person's name. I'd be happy to talk to him. I connected him immediately. I mean, I love those kind of of just coincidental, yeah, right, uh, connections. But uh, I get a lot of those, and we do a lot of a lot of the questions that are sent in are exactly that. They're looking for a way to be connected with somebody where they want a resource or they can provide a resource. Trust me, a lot, a lot of I consider that a lot of my own success has been as a result of connecting people, just connecting them to resources that can help them. I mean, I believe in the the law of the harvest. Trust me, totally. And I just do a lot of connecting people, trusting the process of where that's going to lead. Now, I want to end with a couple of things here. I had a, uh, I had a bunch of people that sent me notes of how they're expressing gratitude. And I want to share a couple of those. But before I do, I want to also share just kind of a poignant issue that we need to be aware of. This is a time of year when a lot of people are very discouraged. We're right here in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and a lot of people kind of look back at another year. You know, it's a time to reflect on success or lack thereof. I mean, what have I accomplished in my business, in my relationships, in my health, my spiritual vitality? And unfortunately, some people just decide that life is too difficult to go on. We know the Golden Gate Bridge is the world's leading suicide location. Every nine days on average, somebody ends their life there. Now this is, you know, such negative news. I hate to even share it, but I want us to be aware when we're meeting people, when we walk around every nine days on average, somebody ends their life on the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, it's a very high bridge, but here's a note that I want you to be aware of. Dr. Jerome Motto had a patient who jumped. This was back in the mid seventies. And Dr. Motto said, I went to this guy's apartment afterward with the assistant medical examiner. The guy was in his thirties, lived alone, pretty bare apartment. He had written a note and left it on his bureau. It said, I'm going to walk to the bridge. If one person smiles me at me on the way, I will not jump. If one person smiles me, at me on the way, I will not jump. I mean, what an amazing gift. I mean, how many people did he meet that day? I don't know how far he walked. What if I had been one of them? I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of time to give one of the season's most precious gifts, that being a smile or time, encouragement, a listening ear. Another note that I found, there's a guy who who jumped from the Golden Gate Bridge. His name is Kevin Hines. He's now written a book because he survived. But he said, as soon, the instant he jumped, he felt regret. He said to myself, what have I done? I don't want to die. God, please save me. He was 34 at the time when he jumped in September of 2000. He said, the moment I hit free fall was an instant regret. I recognized that I made the greatest mistake in my life, thought it was too late. Well, he did survive. Now, he had some broken ribs but he wrote a book that's titled Cracked, Not Broken, Surviving and Thriving After a Suicide Attempt. And now he makes his living 
speaking, talking to people. But he says that, I mean, that's what he was feeling like. He said, this is what he said to himself before he walked to the bridge in 2000. I said to myself, if one person comes up to me and says, are you okay? Is something wrong? Can I help you? I was going to tell them my whole life story and they were going to make me safe. He says, I know it's not very logical to expect that, but he said the nature of someone who's going to end their life is not very rational or logical. Well, I want to, I want to just share that. Just make sure that you're sharing those simple gifts with people this year, this time of year, a smile, a little handwritten note, just a word of encouragement. Now I'm going to share a couple quick ones here and we're going to wrap up. Tricia says on a recent podcast, you shared instances where you and others continued to give back to others, not just during the holiday season, but throughout the year. I find this so vital and always want to show others the depth of my gratitude. Four years ago, I started the process of handing out gratitude cards to those who serve me, bank tellers, waiters, baristas, family, and friends. These cards generally have a positive quote and a funny picture of my dogs and them with a link to a website of mine and her website. Golly, this is um, Trisha's website is it only takes a smile.com. The site is filled with positive stories. I write or have found online. We hear so many horrific things on the news, not enough positivity, just as negativity is contagious. So is optimism. Um, I've been lucky enough to have my dream job overseas the past couple of years as a psychologist and yoga instructor serving the military. Uh, there could be a chance the dream end ends as contracts change. And so I continue to listen to your show weekly for tips as you guide others through their struggles. Thanks for all you're doing, keeping people's spirits up throughout the year and fueling them to live out their passions. It serves as a reminder for me to keep up my positivity blog and handing out gratitude cards to others. Well, thanks, Tricia, for your note and for what you're doing. Uh, Kim says, I just listened to your recent podcast. My husband and I are part-time sellers on Amazon, eBay. We have UPS deliveries and pickups a couple times every week. Lots of boxes going in and out. We recently purchased an Amazon gift card, pulled together samples of the yummy products that we sell on Amazon. We boxed up and wrapped for our UPS driver with a nice note of thanks for the awesome service all year long. We wanted to know him to know how much we appreciate all he does for us every day. Well, golly, great, great example of just sharing and something little. You know, my granddaughter, Clara, Ashley's oldest daughter, she never goes to a restaurant without leaving a note for the waiter. And I'm talking about a handwritten note. She'll draw a little picture and leave a note. Thanks, the food was awesome or something like that. I mean, we have waitresses who have kept those and, you know, share them when we come back again, you know, six months later, because it was so important. A little handwritten note from a nine-year-old girl. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot. Make sure that you are sharing, giving, encouraging. Even if you're discouraged yourself, even if you didn't have a bang up here in 2016. Boy, there were some things that I didn't accomplish this year that I'm pretty disappointed about. Well... It's just part of living. I'm going to readjust, come back strong in 2017. I know you are as well. Let us know what you've got planned in 2017, how we can help you on those goals. Have a great week. This could be your chance. So take-